Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, March 6th, and we're tackling a listener question. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and we are stuck again with the just okay Brian Feroldi. You know, you know, Brian, I'm not even the one writing these intros at this point. This is you being self-deprecating. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? I, I, I think it's a good branding right there. <laughs> I think it's good to be humble. I don't think you need to be that humble, though. Happy to have you on again uh, to talk about a tech company that got thrown our way thanks to a listener review. We're going to get to that in a second. Before, though, I mean, you're doing a kids' stock market challenge, Brian. Uh, what's going on over there? Yeah, so for listeners that I remember from a couple of uh, months ago, I've been going to my children's elementary school to teach the kids about stocks, and I have kids from second grade to fifth grade picking from a list of stocks, and we're kind of tracking them through, you know, throughout the school year to see how they do. And I'm trying to go back in year after year to kind of hammer home the long-term investing. But I got to tell you, some of these kids are just crushing it. I mean, since September, I have kids that are up 40, 50, or even 60% uh, since September. So absolutely. Absolutely stomping the market, and a big shout out for uh, Tesla Motors for uh, for being the star performer. But uh, I'm just the kids are just so excited about this, and this is such a cool thing. And I actually have a meeting coming up with um, the Rhode Island uh, Treasurer's Office to show them what I've been doing, and hopefully to spread this uh, system out to other schools in the state. So spreading foolishness. Well, that's a uh, I'm glad I'm glad you're doing that, and that's uh, a heck of a first introduction to investing, being up a. Uh, 40 or 50% in about six months. I hope that you're telling the kids this is not necessarily normal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to bum them out, man. This, way, this is what happens every time. Every time. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of folks sitting on some nice gains via Tesla. Um, today, we are going to be talking about Rakuten. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, and the reason we are talking about this company is we had an iTunes review from a listener, Will. Will wrote, haven't found a better podcast about investing. The hosts are well-prepared, and the analysts give great insights. Thanks, Will. The people behind the scenes are great as well. Can't forget about them. Shout out to Austin Morgan. Uh, thanks for all the great work. P.S. If you guys could talk about Rakuten, it would be much appreciated. And this is awesome, Brian. We got a review. We love getting reviews, and we also love show ideas. And Will gave us both here. Yeah, so and and Rakuten is a company that I had never heard about before until this review. So thank you, Will, for putting this company on our radar. Yeah, this was one of those companies where I was like, I know that I kind of know that name, but I'm not exactly sure why. And immediately after I started doing some homework, I understood why. Uh, folks that follow soccer, specifically FC Barcelona and the Golden Store. Golden State Warriors in the NBA might be familiar with Rakuten. See that name on the jerseys. Yeah, the, uh, Rakuten's become a, a big sponsor of both of those companies, so they've, got a, they've done a good job with making their name known. And I wonder if that's how Will come up, uh, found about this company in the first place. Well, as for what they actually do, uh, Rakuten was founded in 1997 by Hiroshi Mikitani, uh, who is still the CEO today. Um, and this is it's kind of an e-commerce company. It's kind of a financial services company. They're trying to become a mobile company. They do a lot, Brian. 
Yeah, this company is uh, referred to as the Amazon uh, of Japan, and they were the number one e-commerce player in in their home country of Japan for uh, quite some time. And they're basically the homegrown uh, business to business and business to consumer online marketplace. And Brian and I are talking about this, having done a lot of research about the company and looking at the financials and the presentations and stuff like that. We do not have the firsthand experience using their products, and so I know we reach listeners around the globe. If there's anyone in Japan or anyone in other parts of the world that's regularly using Rakuten and we either get something wrong or we don't totally get the story right, write in and let us know, industryfocus at fool.com. It's one of the perils of covering these international tech stocks is we don't always have familiarity with the platform, um, but we did spend a lot of time looking at the business itself. Um, It has been publicly traded since 2000, but U.S. investors uh, buy the stock OTC under the ticker symbol RKUNY. and based on what you look at in terms of Y charts and some of the other approximations out there, it's about a $12 billion company, um, although it was quite a bit larger a couple of years ago. Yeah, so this is uh, about a $12 billion company, and th- that number has uh, that number used to be much higher. This stock has actually been cut in half um, over the last couple of years for some reasons we'll talk about a little later in the show. But I was actually surprised to learn that uh, Rakuten actually has purchased a couple of uh, sites that uh, I- I've been much more familiar with. So a couple of years ago, they purchased Buy.com, which is an, uh, a leading uh, was a leading e-commerce site uh, in the U.S., and they also purchased Ebates, which is a um, Rewards uh, portal in the U- in in uh, the U.S. and around the world, and they recently re- rebranded that as just Rakuten. So there is some reason for U.S. investors to be a little bit more familiar with this company. Yeah, and and really, like this was one of the most interesting companies I've had come across my desk in a while. Um, one of the one of the most staggering things with this business is the visual representations of everything they do. So, in their investor presentations, they basically give this huge chart of all the different industries that they're currently playing in. They really got started in e-commerce, and that's what they're known for. Uh, but they also have card and payment services, um, banking services, securities services, insurance. Uh, they're in ads and media, digital content. They're building out a mobile network. Um, there's just a lot going on here. They they wind up breaking their business out basically into their core e-commerce company um, and the operations that are a little bit older, uh, and then some of the financial services stuff that they're working on as well. That's very digital payments friendly, and then their more kind of future ambition growth stuff, uh, primarily mobile. But if you look at the Japanese e-commerce market, this is one of the big players. And up until a couple of years ago, it was the number one player in terms of market share. Yeah, these guys have done a nice job of building out uh, their presence, and they have uh, more than I think a billion users uh, globally have touched one at least one of their services. And the thing that uh, excited me when we were digging into this company uh, was their was their card and payment network. So this is actually uh, one of the top uh, cards in in all of Japan with more than 19 million. Uh, uh, cardholders, and they actually have 46 million users of their Rakuten uh, Pay network. And we've seen that uh, fintech companies can be wonderful long-term investments um, for for shareholders because they that that's just a great model for producing uh, predictable profits and recurring revenue. And and their pay business is actually very interesting. 
as you might imagine with a company this size, for every element of the ecosystem that you participate in, there are some benefits. And so, it's no coincidence that they're doing all these different things. Um, I'm right there with you, Brian. I think that the financial services is one of the most compelling parts of it, but it's something where if you participate with the financial services, you're likely also participating on the e-commerce platform because you probably get a little bit of a discount. They have a rewards basically like a points-based reward system that they use to incentivize customer behavior. Um, But it's really easy to look at a business like that and draw the comparison to the Amazons, the Mercado Libres of the world, because on paper, it seems so similar. Yeah, and and they do have a a good track record of bringing people into their ecosystem and then getting them to spread out across multiple, uh, more than one of their products. And I think the majority of their users actually do use, uh, do interact with at least two of their products. So that that does make them somewhat sticky and then do, does give them opportunities to cross-sell in, um, existing uh, members. So looking at the books for this company, uh, revenue's up 14% year over year in fiscal 2019. I mentioned before they break up their business into a couple different categories. You have this internet services segment, which is a little bit more than half of their revenue. Um, and a lot of the stuff that you would expect with an e-commerce player. Uh, that part of the business is growing at about 17%. You have fintech, uh, and that's about 35% of revenue, growing at 15%. And both of these segments are producing operating income for the company. Can't say the same with their mobile segment. It actually ate into gross revenue by 10%. And this is a portion of the business that is currently in aggressive growth mode. Um, they are, I guess, trying to continue to build out their ecosystem with a MVNO to offer customers and just keep offering more and more suites and services to them. Yeah, they're kind of following the Google playbook, if you will, where they take the profits from their core businesses that are growing and they're plowing them into uh, other businesses to kind of grow uh, grow them as, as rapidly as we can. Uh, that thus far has been costing this company in the sh- in, uh, over the last couple of years because the the losses from the mold division have, have basically caused their net income to just drop like a rock, which explains why their uh, stock has not performed well over the last couple of years. The hope is that those investments pay off in time to much higher revenue growth and eventually higher profitability, but the company isn't there yet. There are some signs that they're able to get that nice, sticky ecosystem that so many companies vie for. You know, 72% of their members have used two or more Rakuten services in the past year, and they look at this total global gross transaction value figure. And it's a combination of e-commerce, credit cards, payments, basically everything that they facilitate. For fiscal 2019, it was about 19 trillion Japanese yen, or about $170 billion, which is up 24%. And that is an acceleration from the year-over-year growth that they saw in the previous two years. So, there are signs that there is a lot of merit to this approach. It just happens to be a very expensive one right now. Yeah, digging into the losses and funding those can only happen for for so long. But the the, the CEO here definitely has a vision to make Rakuten a much bigger company and is clearly willing to invest like abandoned to make it happen. One of the other things that you have to talk about with this business is they have kind of core operational businesses, and then they also have an investment arm that owns stakes in other businesses. And so they have uh, they have investments in Pinterest. I know it's a Brian Feroldi favorite right there. Uh, Lyft, and they have some smaller stakes in internet, fintech, ride sharing, and healthcare companies. Um, that does give me a little bit of a reason for pause, just because we have seen a lot of companies that have taken this approach 
struggle with these startups ultimately going public and not faring quite as well uh, in terms of their valuation once they're on the public markets. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always it could be a hit or miss when you see companies like this taking shareholder money and making investments on their behalf. If it's for a strategic uh, reason, that is something that I am generally all for. Like for example, if they took an interest in if they took an equity investment in Pinterest in order to help promote their own platform in the United States or elsewhere, that to me makes a lot of sense. But just taking the money surely to invest on behalf of shareholders uh, isn't a isn't a, isn't a perfect strategy. But they've done fairly well with it uh, so far, and I know that the Pinterest uh, in investing in particular has uh, has paid off well for them. So that is something that investors have to be aware of if they're going to be interested in this company. Yeah, I think one of the biggest risks with this business is just that they're trying to do a lot. You know, you have that huge uh, chart that I mentioned before with all the different segments that they participate in. And on top of that, they're also trying to be kind of like a venture fund um, for some of these smaller businesses and make money that way as well. Um, I, I think that's all good and well, but the reality is, at core, people know this for e-commerce, and I think part of the strength of all the other services comes with the e-commerce introduction. And I worry that Amazon's coming in, and uh, there was a while where Rakuten was beating Amazon. It seems that Amazon has eclipsed them in terms of market share and has become the number one e-commerce player in Japan. I do wonder how that will affect their ecosystem long term. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with your your thoughts there. There there to me there is this uh, the thought that this company is just spreading itself out way too thin, uh, giving its resources. I would way rather prefer them to just hyper focus on say e commerce or fintech within their own market and just throw all the resources behind there. I mean, you mentioned at the top of the show that this company is um, has signed multi year deals with uh, FC Barcelona and the Golden State Warriors. Those deals were very expensive. I mean, the Barcelona deal cost them two hundred and twenty. Million dollars. The Golden State Warrior deal cost some sixty million dollars. Is that money that's well spent to really boost their brand name? Uh, I, I I don't know, but that does show me that this company might be a little bit too reckless uh, with its investments. So it's not terribly surprising to see that um, the stock has not performed well for investors over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think when you start spreading out your investments and trying to do all these things, and then also do you know flashy brand advertising and that kind of stuff, um, you you may neglect some of the things that you need to do to really compete actively. And I think where Amazon has been able to get a leg up in Japan is by focusing on delivery. Uh, the supply chain, and really all the infrastructure things that get packages to people faster. Um, I know as of 2019, uh, Rakuten wasn't owning and operating it quite in the same way that Amazon was, and so they weren't really able to compete and deliver packages quite as quickly as Amazon, which very quickly can become a competitive disadvantage. Yeah, and and we have seen Rakuten invest in its own fulfillment services uh, in its home country, but we do know that building out those logistics networks is incredibly, uh, incredibly expensive. So uh, Rakuten is making those investments now, and it has been for the last couple of years. Will those investments pay off for shareholders in time, or is it basically they're already behind eight ball and uh, they're already behind Amazon, and they're un- unable to recapture their market share that that they've lost? Uh, that's something that we don't have the answer to at this point. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I think what's tough is this is a company that is very interesting. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on, um, particularly with the financial services side of what they're doing. I think the insurance side is also kind of interesting, just because you don't see as many publicly traded companies um, trying to disrupt that space in quite the same way. And you know, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of stuff that gets you excited as an investor. I do think that the risks are a little too high. Especially given um, the struggling stock over the last couple of years, for me to really consider it too seriously. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I do I do really like the the fintech uh, aspect of this company here. And if if it was my uh, if I had uh, say, I would just say just dump everything else and just throw all of your resources into the fintech because that is an exciting, uh, very profitable uh, business. But this company clearly has a different strategy in mind. But there are definitely some some positive things that this company has going for it. But uh, as you said. I think the the threat of the Amazon just just cannot be ignored and I think that they're spending their money kind of a little bit too aggressively for my own liking, and they're just throwing it around. This company doesn't have nearly the focus and the track record of just unbelievable success for me to get super excited about it. So I think this is an interesting company, but not one that I'm personally going to rush out to buy. Yeah, sometimes it's okay to look at a stock and say, this seems a little hard. Uh, What they're trying to do seems a little difficult, um, and I can watch that from the sidelines and enjoy without having to have my own money on the line. That's kind of how I'm looking at them. Yeah, same same here. I mean, I kind of after doing the research here, I put this basically in my why bother pile. Why, why bother uh, pile? I mean, you you and uh, Danny Vanna did a great show. What was it last week on uh, another foreign e-commerce company called Mercado Libre, and that company is just crushing it across the board. They also cheered on U.S. exchanges. So if I was interested in a foreign e-commerce company, uh, Mercado Libre would be a company that I'd be far more interested in than Rakuten. Oh, well, thank you for the praise there, Brian. Um, I think Mercado Libre does benefit fit from um, some competitive advantages that Rakuten is kind of struggling with. Um, they are you know, local in South America. They are in a highly fragmented space where they're in, uh, I think, 18 countries, um, many of them reporting their own currencies. Um, that creates problems for them from you know, an operating basis, but it also means that it's harder for someone to swoop in and immediately steal a lot of their business at once. Um, I think that because Rakuten is so reliant on Japan, um, and it's a pretty developed country, in terms of you know its its infrastructure and su- supply chain logistics and all these kinds of things, it's been a little bit easier for Amazon to hop in there and disrupt their business. Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly right. So for me, whenever I'm looking at any potential stock, I always rank it against every other stock that I want to own or already invest. And uh, for me personally, Record Ten checks many of the boxes that I look for, but not enough for it to crack into say my top 100 ideas. <laughs> well, Brian, I'm always happy to talk about stock ideas with you, even if it doesn't crack the top 100. Hey, we, they can't all be winners, right? <laughs> and I appreciate Will writing into the show. I mean, this is just our opinion, but you know, wanted to uh, give a shout out there and uh, you know, thank Will for putting this one on our radar. Um, Brian, I think I'm going to let you go there, man. Thanks for hopping on today's show. Hey, anytime. And thank you to Will for bringing this company to our attention. Yeah. Don't let us talk you out of it if you're interested in it. All right, listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email over at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you're looking for more stuff, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show. The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass today. It's Friday, so we're going to be playing things out with checks and balances by full-time Fool, Burke, and Grafia. For Brian Feroldi, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on. I've got a million dollars 
It's hypothetical Large amount in my bank account It's parenthetical The money I'm made of is theoretical So in theory I've got it good My fat wallet is on a diet My balance sheet is lopsided My income statement is keeping silent But let's keep one thing understood I need checks I need balances Life's a mess With financial challenges Checks and balances When things get tough Do you do it for money Or do you do it for love My cold hard cash Is soft and tropical My deep pockets Are merely topical I hit the big time It was microscopical But don't you get it I am no fool I own a bank I call him Piggy Brought home the bacon He got a little wiggy Cracked him open What a pity His inner life was pitiful I need checks I need balances Life's a mess With financial challenges Checks and balances When things get tough Do you do it for money? Or do you do it for love? I know a cheapskate always has a headache Trying to get something for free None more wiser is the miser Always lives in misery I'm cashing in on triple coupons Soup kitchen's calling Saying the soup's on I sing for my supper and get my groove on I still know how to have fun checks I need balances life's a mess with financial challenges checks and balances when things get tough do you do it for money or do you do it for love has a headache trying to get something for free none more wiser is the miser always lives in misery i own a bank i call him piggy brought home the bacon he got a little wiggy cracked him open what a pity his inner life was pitiful i need checks balances life's a mess with financial challenges checks and balances when things get tough do you do it for money or do you do it for love do you do it for money or do you do it for love